Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Jennifer Rizzio, founder and spiritual director of Soul Language and Soul to Business, and this is Ask and Answered by Soul. This podcast is dedicated to providing you with tangible tools to embody your divinity and create a life based on freedom. Each podcast is focused on a topic that will guide you to listening and utilizing your central nature. During each show, I ask an expert three key questions so you can understand that you're not alone on this journey and that your soul is the key to forming a life full of abundance, purpose, and passion. The goal of each interview is for you to take away a practice that you can do right now to change your life and understand what assistance is out there in the universe to support you. And I'm talking with Valerie David today, and we're talking about how is generational trauma impacting your life? And let me tell you a little bit about her. She is an award-based, uh, award-winning based performer and playwriter. She is also based in New York City. She has two amazing shows, Baggage from Baghdad, Becoming My Father's Daughter, and The Pink, oh, where did it go? The Pink Hulk. Um, which is all about uh, her one woman journey to find the superhero within. So welcome, Valerie. Thank so you. nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. I'm so excited. The first question I ask everyone is what has your soul shared with you throughout your journey? That's a great question. What my soul has shared with me throughout my journey is just the ability to listen to that inner voice, to have that intuition and to never ignore it. Um, when I have ignored my little inner voice, even when my inner voice was screaming, I have uh, always uh, gotten into a little bit of trouble. So I think that's really something that we all have within ourselves, Jennifer. It's just a matter of, do we listen to it? And we have varying levels of voice within ourselves, the little voice that's kind of nudging us. Then we have the medium voice that's like, well, I don't know about this. And then we have the screaming voice that's like, don't go down that road. So uh, I try to listen to all three, especially the loudest one. Yeah, <laughs> And that's often the one we most ignore because we know that it's not what we really want to do. But sometimes we have to do something we don't want to do, even if it's when it's even when it's in our best interests. Yeah, I try not to get to the screaming or the two by four kind of experience. Mm -hmm. That just results in a lot of pain and struggle for myself. Let's talk yes. about this generational trauma. So mm -hmm. you have a very rich history and how is that? Can you give us a, a little bit of background and how has that rich history impacted your life and how did you kind of heal from it? Yes, I think that um that's a great question. So with the generational trauma and what it's meant in my life, I, my father, uh, and his name is David David. Uh, and, um, he left Iraq in 1941 from religious persecution. We were, we, we are a Middle Eastern Jewish family. And in 1941, there was a pogrom, uh, um, against the Jews of Iraq and Baghdad. And my father fled that night with only what the family could carry. They were separated from, 
my grandfather and they were reunited a few months later. And that was very traumatic because my grandfather literally said to my father, you're the man of the house now. You have to take care of your mother. And at the time she was pregnant with her third child. And then she he had to take care of his sister, Denise. And that really was a defining moment in my father's life, who who was this, he described himself as a skinny, chronic, scrawny little kid, and that he had to now be the man of the house. So growing up with my father, we didn't really know the stories behind it. They eventually came to America, but we were never, never taught Arabic. We really weren't told the stories that really happened to them. And I think that there was always this veil of secrecy. And when they spoke in Arabic, it was for us not to know what they were saying. And I think that really affected me as a child. And he was very quick to not be very nostalgic. Like if you don't use it, throw it away, you know? And, and I, I, and I'll explain circling back to what that meant because I still have my dolls from childhood. I still have my Wonder Woman doll from childhood. We, my mother, on the other hand, was save it because you love it. So I think I understood with my dad why, because he had to leave with what he could carry. So he couldn't be tied down to anything that was emotionally attached to him, uh, something that was nostalgic or something that, that he was tied to was gone. Cause even, you know, they left their bikes, they left their toys. Like there was this. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Tulusma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on Electricast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. Electricast. I don't know, this kind of trying to describe it way about him that it's like, nope, you know, don't need it get rid of it. And without really having that tie. And I think that was always something that I wondered, why was he like that? Why was he so quick to say, nope, we don't need this. You're not going to use it. And you've outgrown it. And I think as someone, as an adult now, where I tend to hold on to things, it's because of that emotional attachment that I want it with me all the time. I still have my teddy bear that my best friend gave me from high school called Valby, a hybrid of our name, Valerie and Birgitta. So I, there was always that, you know, we don't really talk about it. And he was a very, very uh, in person who was not talking about his emotions. And that was also very hard growing up. Because I was the crybaby. I, I, I was always the big crier and it was hard because he didn't understand these tears because he wasn't allowed to show that emotion growing up because of, of the culture that they were in. And I think that not knowing what that history was, was something I always felt was a secret of our family that they were so emotionally, uh, 
radicalized by this horrible traumatic event of having to leave everything behind and start over again. And I think what happened is that it was reconciled when they, my aunt was older in life and my dad, they were in their late seventies that they finally opened up about these stories. And it explains so much, Jennifer. It explains so much of my childhood of why he was so regimented and almost stoic because of having to grow up that way and become a man at, at such a young age, robbed of his childhood and his innocence seeing all this death around. We had a cousin who was shot during the Farhood and just having to, he was beat up for being Jewish. My grandfather was beat up. And when my father came to America, he was ridiculed by classmates calling him a dirty Arab. And uh, he had to really adapt to life in America that was so different from Baghdad. And, and he went to India on the way to uh, America. So I think for me, it was, it explained so much. And then knowing those stories helped me in my life, helped me with my own inner strength. And especially I'm a cancer survivor three times and having that courage that my father had and his family had, I know was part of why I'm here today and my survival. So that generational trauma was a lesson to learn from. And then I realized that with this, my father, uh, I had wrote, I wrote this play award-winning play that I'm so proud of because it honors my father and his family called Baggage from Baghdad, Becoming My Father's Daughter. The tagline couldn't be more relevant today because Becoming My Father's Daughter, I became that lion that he always worried that I wouldn't become. I was the little cub who was picked on at school and ridiculed. And I had a um, five girls in third grade that were bullied me. And then I became that strength that he always wanted me to have. And I know that's from him. And, and we don't learn from this life unless we fall down a few times and then get up. And that's the, the part of our journey that is so important, Jennifer. We fall many times, but I've been instilled with my father's strength and my mother's strength and our family strength to get up and to fight, to fight, to live, to fight, to beat cancer. Just everyday life. We're in really interesting times right now where we have to be who we are and stick to who we are and our, and how we, and our convictions and be, be our real authentic self. So in other words, hearing those stories allowed you to kind of, not see his stoicness as a personality default or defect rather, but to really understand and, and really tap into your own way of being, uh, or, or your own vein of strength in order right. to kind of combat some of the things that you've had to kind of deal with. Absolutely. My father's way about him was a survival mode, was survival. And it was really the most amazing thing that happened with baggage from Baghdad that didn't happen until I found an old 
audio cassette tape that I forgot that I had interviewed my father. I had interviewed him in 2007 and had gotten all these stories. And I thought, wow, my dad and I are so different. But then Jennifer, I found this cassette tape going through things because remember I mentioned I I hold on to things. And so I found this cassette tape and I re-listened to it. And I realized that I, my father and I are exactly alike. And then in the later years, he started having that more sensitivity. And it was like we had this role reversal where he was much more emotional and much more get, telling of his feelings than he'd ever been before. And I think it was just a light bulb moment to find that cassette tape because my father and I were not different. Again, we were exactly alike. Yeah. And I, I'm, that was just such a revelation and it changed the end of the play because at the end I was, I was saying, Oh, you know, we learned to accept our differences and celebrate them and appreciate them. And instead it was like, we were exactly alike my whole life. We were exactly alike. I just didn't realize that. Yeah. And I think that's a, a lot of when we start to hear, heal those, those generations, the, the kind of, family of origin stuff, I think, you know, there's all that fear of, well, we'll be the bad parts of our parents or, you know, and it's really about really seeing what parts of you have been kind of molded and shaped by the stories you've heard, the stories you haven't heard, you know, the osmosis of living together with people and and being brought up and also really understanding that you can be like your parents and still, you know, love and accept yourself in a, in a profound way. And you can turn and love and accept them as, as humans, right? You don't always have to like everything your parents do, but you need to move into acceptance or you're going to be forever in that trap of reliving Absolutely. the pain and sorrow. Absolutely. And the thing, Jennifer, that happened is my father passed away last year and Jennifer, he's with me every day. I feel that. And also with this show baggage from Baghdad, and he's also in the pink Hulk as well as my mom and family, that it's a way that he lives on past his own mortality. He's, he's always with me. He's always going to be alive. And that's why I love doing these plays because I'm alive because of their strength, my family's strength. And I feel that with my dad, I have a fourth voice. So I have the little voice, the medium voice, the loud voice. I have my dad's voice now, Jennifer. And I find myself when I'm in precarious situations, I'll hear my dad say, don't put up with that. What are you doing? You know? And then, and then he's like, you're, you know, and, and I can hear, I really hear him. I really, I feel him. I look up in the clouds when the, and, and I just to say, he's here, he's with me. And, um, in a sunset, in a sunrise, he's with me. And I, and I get such comfort for that. And I miss him, my whole family. We miss him. I can't even describe. And, and, and all of us have felt that way where we've lost a parent, a spouse, a child, uh, you know, a relative, they're a friend, they're always with us. And, and there's nothing to take away the pain and we should experience that pain. And where's that, where's that saying that says the price 
love is grief is the price of love. And I, I strongly feel that way. And I feel that with these shows, they're universal because we all can relate to, um, being stricken by some type of illness or, or some type of uh, challenge in our life, any adversity. And then we've all had the loss in our lives of someone that we love dearly. And how do we cope with that? How do we reconcile with that? How do I live my life? Cause I remember when my father died, the first thing I said to myself is how am I going to live without my father in my life? Like I, I felt that strongly and I know, so many of us do that. It's like, how do we go on with our life without someone who was our rock, someone who was our superhero? You know, my show, the pink cult, one woman's journey to find the superhero within my superhero has to be within myself and my superheroes were my family and my father. So how do we reconcile that? And we keep going. Speaking and they of, want us to keep going. <laughs> definitely. How do people get more of your goodness? How do they get in touch with you? Where can they learn more about you? Oh, sure. Thank you, Jennifer. The you can find me at pinkhulkplay.com that talks about the show and also baggage from Baghdad. My handles are at Pink Hulk for Instagram and also um uh for uh uh, all social media, the handles at pink cold play. And, uh, I'd be happy to have people email me and you can email me through the site and answer any questions or help them on their own journey to find the superhero within, which I definitely had to. And you help people find their superhero within Jennifer. So thank, thank you, you for all that you do thank with, you. with, with your, the, in, in our souls, the soul language that you give us. Thank, and you. thank you for that. You're welcome. So my last question is, if you were a magnet on whatever you call your higher powers refrigerator, what would your <laughs> magnet say? Oh, it would say, eat all the ice cream you want in your nice. life. Nice. No, no, That's no. A good one. I, no. I like it. But, uh, well, I also say, and on, and on a philosophical level, the magnet would say, never apologize for who you are, what you believe in, and what you stand for. Beautiful. And eat all the ice cream you want. <laughs> I love it. It's a big magnet, I, I Jennifer. Love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for thank sharing you. your story with us today. Thank you. And thank you for having me. It, it just means so much to me. And I, and thank you for all the wonderful work that you do in transforming people's lives and helping them. Thank you. Everyone, you've been thank listening you. to Ask and Answer by Soul. I'm Jennifer Rusio. This podcast is dedicated to helping you understand that your soul is the answer. If you're interested in learning more about the answers of your soul and your purpose, you can access your free guide at themythsofpurpose.com. Thanks, everyone, and bye for now. Are you a fan of classic cinema or a young person who wants to discover the best films of all time? Do these legendary movies still hold up? On the Generation Film Podcast, two guys who grew up when movies dominated the culture share a great film with a panel of young movie lovers and see how it plays for today's generation. We discuss changes in storytelling styles, representation, the making of each film, its initial reception, and how its meaning has changed over the years. Join us as we explore cinema classics across generations on Generation Fell. Electric Acid. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the rock podcast, Back to the Arena, The Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. 
If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric acid.